Hello everyone and welcome to What the Hall. I am Maria and I am here alone. <laughs> you are catching me today for Tea Time with Maria, but we're not doing a regular tea time because we are in Christmas in July. So we're still sticking with the Candace Cameron Bure theme. And I wanted to do something like a mystery, like Aurora Tea Garden or something of that sort. And Cassie suggested to me, Journey Back to Christmas. And that does have Candace Cameron Bure in it. So we're sticking with our Candace theme. But it's a little different than me trying to solve a murder mystery on a television show. <laughs> so... I'm just going to kind of go over the movie the way that I do with Cassie. And I am not going to do a ranking because I don't do like how many out of five with Aurora Tea Gardens. So I don't feel like it's fair to judge this one based how I judge my Aurora Tea Gardens. So I am not going to give it any scoring. So let's kind of start. I'm going to read. Cassie's so much better at this writing her synopsis. Oh my gosh, I almost just dropped my computer. Um, she's so much better at writing synopsis. So I'm just going to read the back of the DVD box. A World War II era nurse is transported in time to 2016 and meets a man who helps her discover the bonds of family and that the true meaning of Christmas is timeless. Oh, that's sweet. It doesn't spoil anything, but you know us, I'm about to spoil it all for you. So I will give you my final thoughts. I'm not going to score it. So it's just like me talking <laughs> which isn't that all I ever do. My final thoughts. This was like an Aurora Tea Garden mystery. There were some plot twists to it, trying to figure out everyone's motives, how people thought the character played by Candace, like, seemed shifty, even though I'm like, look at her. Does she... <laughs> Does she look shifty? I don't think so. You all sound silly. And I'm going to say it was okay. I'm not going to give it a number scoring because I don't do that with my tea times. But I will say it was similar to a mystery. I love that I noticed the chemistry between Jake and Hannah just wasn't there. And I like how the town was just on board with time traveling. Like, they were just cool with it. <laughs> I hope in the future Hannah invested in computers, at least. <laughs> I put LOL. <laughs> just... And I loved uh, that Tom Skerritt was in it. I love Tom Skerritt. This whole movie was really great. It had Oliver Hudson was one of the characters as well. And obviously Candace Cameron Bure. Uh, oh, Tom Skerritt. 
uh, who else? There was someone else I was just really surprised at, but I can't remember. Imagine that. It was just, uh, it's just a fun, cute movie. And we open in on a small, quaint town, and then I shout, because you see Tom Skerritt. <laughs> and I said, Tom Skerritt is in this. Obviously, Maria, you have the DVD, just <laughs> why are you like this? So you're back in 1945, during the war. There is a movie playing, but it seems like it has um, the be- opening credits of it or the... What's that called? Oh, come on. The pre-things. Oh my gosh, I can't think of the word. I don't know. (laughs) It's like... uh, I'm not even going to try. But it has Candace's character very upset. We do learn her name at 1 minute and 15 seconds in, and it's Hannah. And she is very sad because she has learned that her husband has died in the war. That's what they have said. He has gone unfound. So he is MIA or presumed dead. But her friend is so kind because she's like, just go on and have a good cry. And I know my best friend would do that for me. Cassie would be like, just let it go. (laughs) Just cry it out. And they walk on and they get up to this beautiful gazebo, which gives me Gilmore Girl vibes. If any of you are Gigi fans, get at me. I would love to talk Gilmore Girls. (laughs) I don't know why. It's just something I love. But it's weird to rewatch it now at 30 and not when I I was a teenager watching it. So Hannah is a nurse, obviously. I talked about that in the final thoughts or my synopsis is what it was she takes care of herself or takes care of others uh before herself it's quite obvious her friend julia just got engaged which is so exciting to this man in the hospital named frank and they're so kind but they see how sad hannah is about it but I I get it. You want to be excited for your friend, but you're also a little sad because your husband is missing or presumed dead. So I get it. And we learn about there is something. It comes around every 71 years. It's a Christmas comet. It's not called that. It was called something else. I didn't write the name down because I love Christmas comet more. And... I want to share my uh, off-topic tangent, because, you know, I've got to have one, that there was a comet when I was little um, that we got to go out and see. My dad took us to, I believe it was Hale-Bopp, if I'm correct. I'll have to ask him, but he took us out. He took the binoculars out. We went to the park. We lived probably a block away from in our home, in Cassie and I's hometown. And my dad took us out to go look at it late at night, which was really cool. My parents are really cool about that stuff, like meteor showers, 
uh, lunar eclipses. My dad let me stay up late in the, um, in like fifth grade to watch a lunar eclipse. And my mom would take us out to watch meteor showers in the country. We have a family cabin that my grandma, my brother just jogged this memory the other day that my grandmother woke us all up to go lay outside and watch a meteor shower. And I got to sit on this big giant folding chair to which I promptly fell asleep in, but it was really cool. Cause when you are away from the light pollution, you can really see it. So I love it. Yeah. I think it was hail bop. Maybe was there. Yeah. Yep, it was Hale Bop, because Haley's comment was 1986. Okay, I looked it up. Imagine that. So, <laughs> Hannah is just, you know, sad, missing her husband, which, I mean, come on, I understand. But what I do like is that everyone isn't pushing her to move on, like in a lot of the other Hallmark-based movies, where people are like, oh, they're dead. It's fine. Move on. You've waited your you know allotted three months or whatever and it's like everybody grieves differently so for everybody to not be like move on already it's I really appreciated that and Hannah reads to this little boy who's in the care unit I guess I would call it that and his name is Toby. And he prompts a good question. Is everything a miracle? Rain? Comets? And I I had to kind of take a moment and think, like, what, what is designated as a miracle? And I think... I think rain is weather. A comet is, I don't know how to explain. <laughs> it's so hard. But for him, he was an orphan looking for hope. And I see that she took the time to offer that to him in saying, you know, maybe it is. And I don't know. It's really hard. I wouldn't know how to answer that. And I feel like maybe there are certain miracles that come along with it. Like for us right now in the Midwest, we're in a severe drought and it has finally rained. And we feel like that's a miracle that it's rained in a drought. So I guess when you weigh it, maybe the Christmas Comet was a miracle for them. Maybe Hale Bop was a miracle for me to see. It was really cool. Moving on. <laughs> Hannah gets invited to their, like, Christmas party at the hospital, but she has to run an errand or make a phone call because she wants Toby to not have to go back to the orphanage that he is in, which is really sweet. Like, her heart is just in the right place. So, 
she tries to make a phone call, but can't get through. And everybody is singing Christmas carols. I just love Christmas carols. It's such happy music. It's like how I am with my anxiety. Nothing bad ever happens with Christmas carols. It's just, it's the same and nothing changes. Jingle bells is always jingle bells. The little drummer boy is always going to be drumming. There's nothing violent about it. I know that sounds silly, but whatever. Hannah goes home and she's sitting at home and all of a sudden she's like hearing a dog barking and she's like, what in the world? And this dog comes into the house. It has a collar on and she's like, all right, well, I've got to figure this dog out. The dog's name is Ruffin, which I missed the first time. I was like, what did she say the dog's name? And it's so funny because... I don't think people realize in the 40s, you still had to go through an operating system to get to uh, make a phone call. So you had to <laughs> call through the operator and she picks up and it's a party line. And so all these people are talking and she's just like, <laughs> I need to make a phone call. And the lady's like, is this an emergency? And she's like, I guess not. <laughs> And they were just like, well, you snooze, you lose. I loved that. <laughs> I'm glad we don't have to deal with party lines anymore. So Hannah figures out the address is on the dog's collar or what have you. So she just decides to put the dog in the car and takes the dog to the house. And it's starting to get really yucky out with the weather. And this woman that she goes to calls Hannah a hero. Hero. Sorry, I said that weird. And I thought that was very kind. But Hannah says she just doesn't understand why she would say, well, I'm not a hero. Why are you calling me that? And I think... At the time when I was watching, I was like, that was very kind, but I should have, like, made note of something more, like, for them to say that. That word means so much more to Hannah than to them. Hannah feels like, how could she be a hero? She's not a soldier out fighting. She just found their dog. But the dog plays so much more of part than I realized. So I should have made note of that. But again, I wasn't analyzing this the way that I analyzed my Aurora Tea Gardens. So I feel like I was watching it with a different eye. So Hannah decides to leave because she doesn't want to impose on this family. And she crashed her car into the snow. And as someone who lives in the Midwest... I will tell you, you never, ever leave your car in a snowstorm. That is the most dangerous thing you can do. And she probably should have stayed with the family, but I think she was just not wanting to impose. So you should never get out of your car in a snowstorm when stranded. It's super dangerous. And so she decides she's going to try to just walk home, I guess, or make her way home. But we 
see the comet is coming and there's thunder and it's snowing. And I don't know if you've ever heard thunder in a snowstorm. It is the weirdest experience to be in like a thunder snow. It's so creepy. But it was such a jarring moment because you're just like this poor woman and she gets stuck into the shed she tucked into and she falls back and it's so crazy. So she wakes up and she's like, oh my goodness. And my comment was, oh my Lord, did she time travel? Yeah, Maria, she did. So we're in a completely different time. It is 71 years in the future. It's 2016 and you come in to Oliver Hudson, whom I love. He's the brother of Kate Hudson, and their mother is Goldie Hawn, who I just adore. And he's in Rules of Engagement, which is a hilarious show if you've ever wanted to get into that. He is a police officer, and Hannah is, like, lost, clearly confused because there's so much more that is different that she sees. So she is taken to the doctor after some polite strangers call the cops, which in theory was the right thing to do, but maybe they could have called like a social worker. Sorry, I just dropped my phone. So (laughs) she gets taken to this doctor and all of her, like, explanations to everything is just so funny because they're like, what town is this? And she knows the town and she's, like, nailing everything. And the doctor asks, well, who's the president? And I I think she says, well, that's Harry Truman. And they're all just like, uh, ma'am. <laughs> It's 2016. No. (laughs) So I loved all their reactions. It was really funny. But my big problem was they wanted to arrest her. (laughs) For what, though? She didn't break any laws. And they're just trying to, like, pin something on her to be, like, uh... Uh, I don't know. It's, it, it really upset me because as someone who struggles with mental health, I would never want people to call the cops for me because they're not trained in mental health the way that social workers are. So they're just like, arrest her for being crazy in public. Like, she wasn't doing anything. She was lost and confused, disoriented, But they all think she's some sort of grifter who's trying to do, like, fraud. They want to pin fraud on her. But I think that's so stupid, but probably for the storyline. They're like, oh, she's a con. And I'm like, just take her to the shed. Go get her purse. She's got her identification in there. Then you'll figure it out. But I don't know. (laughs) Anyhow, uh, they... They just, like, why wouldn't they tell her the year right away for her to be like, 
mm, no, it's 1945. And they'd be like, no, ma'am, it's 2016. So finally, they, like, share it. And you're just like, ugh, whatever. Then you go into this other house. And this woman is... Her son, I believe, is one of the people that called the police. I never find out her name. Her son uh, and her husband, you find out their names. Her name is, like, Mrs. Jones or Johnson or something. I don't know. <laughs> she is the worst about it because she thinks, like, Hannah's trying to scam everybody like, if you just see someone like that, you're like, um, they are dressed in period piece clothing. Why in the world would they, like, why would they try to scam me? If people are trying to scam you, they're calling you on your phone and telling you that it's the IRS calling and that you have to pay them $3,000 and then you do it because, I don't know, don't answer the phone if you don't know the number. <laughs> Again, what is wrong with me? So, she, this lady, Mrs. whatever her name's, Harv's wife, his name, his name is Harvey. Harv's wife says she knows it's women's intuition. And I said, hers is terrible because we're all taught to be so skeptical, skeptical of literally everyone. Like, you have to think bad of everyone before you actually can think positively about them. I hate that. Why not just give everybody the benefit of the doubt? But that would just be crazy. And so, <laughs> Hannah stays with Oliver Hudson's family. I still didn't know his name at this point. I missed it. His name is Jake. Hannah stays at Jake's family's house and she decides to get up and leaves and so she's missing and she went to her original house except for in her house is a store called organic planet and i felt like her reactions the entire thing in the store were so <laughs> like reasonable she's like where's my things why are you in my house? And this lady's like, what? And she's like, gluten-free. And Jake shows up and he's like, what's going on? And she's like, I'm so lost. And she goes, I don't, I don't even know what gluten-free is. And Jake says, no one does. And I have to laugh because that's just really funny. And they are at the park, so why didn't they just go to the shed to get his, her purse? I don't know. Jake's police partner, her name is Sarah. She is best friends with Jake's sister, Louise. And Louise has a daughter named Gwenny. She is so cute. And she totally believes Hannah right out the gate, which I think is awesome. Children, I know, can be so naive, but I think in this way it was a very kind and positive moment. But then we get to 
the restaurant with Harv's wife, whatever her name is. I'm just going to make one up. Joan. And so Harv and Joan are at lunch and she's talking about Hannah and how she thinks everything is just a con. And you see sitting next to them is Tom Skerritt and he overhears the conversation and he's like off to investigate or he gets out of there real quick. So it, I don't know. There's something there. <laughs> so Jake goes to the shed, finds her purse, and wants to, like, go through it. And Sarah, his partner, is just the worst about it. She just is on the same train where she thinks Hannah's trying to steal an identity. And I'm just like, why are you trying to fabricate so much of this? Like, can't you just be like, something is amiss here. I don't know. I said, Hannah moved 71 years into the future. Hopefully she can make it 71 years into the past. Is time travel a miracle? I think it is. I think that has got to be the ultimate phenomenon. I don't even know if it's possible, but I think it's such a cool... I think it's such a cool thing. So Gwenny keeps talking about uh, her friend, Mr. Cook who owns the library. And I said, I hope it's Tom Skerritt. So his name is Mr. Cook. And he has, like, thoughts on time travel. So Gwenny's just dropping this hot gas about time traveling Mr. Cook. And, yes, the comet is coming back. So it's been 71 years, and this is the perfect time for that comet. Joan is just the worst. Her, George, her child, and her husband is Harv. She's, she's just so skeptical, but those two are not. And it's just so funny because Louise is pretty skeptical. And Jake's mom, Jake and Louise's mom is like, no, benefit of the doubt. So they go to... They go to a, I don't know if it's like a thrift store or an antique store, and talk to this man to be like, hey, did this lady come in here and buy these clothes? And he's like, no, I've never seen that lady in my entire life. And so they decide, so Louise and her mother decide that they want to buy some of the clothes to maybe make Hannah feel comfortable while they do something fun for her. So I do feel like people were starting to believe Hannah and I think it's like Hannah is brought back to get people to practice the traditions they once did because we've fallen so far from that. Everything is so commercialized. For them it was so much more in just the celebration of it, being with the people you loved, what the meaning of Christmas means to you or your family or something of that sort. And I just felt so bad for Hannah because she desperately just wanted to get back to 1945. And then I made a note because 
there is a moment where Jake and Hannah are dancing. He brings a record, well, a record, a CD to play. And they start dancing, but their chemistry, I even made the note here, their chemistry just really isn't there. And I know for me and Cassie, it's all about chemistry. You, you gotta have chemistry for us. Now I've, I'm sorry, I lost my spot. <laughs> okay. I could tell right away, Sarah totally has the hots for Jake. And people notice he is such a guy, though. He's like, no. And you're just like, come on. And Louise is like, Jake, just look at it. And he's so oblivious. And Sarah's livid with him because he was dancing with Hannah and she's like oh you like her or whatever and I'm like you don't get to act like that you don't get to be jealous when you're not dating someone if you like someone tell them so I just I I thought I don't know I just thought Sarah was just being silly like if you like him so much just tell him just be like hey i've had a crush on you forever and then everybody decides to go caroling and it's really sweet sarah does go along and they're going around and they get up to this place that has a sign and it's called Ruffin Kennels, which, if we remember, the dog that Hannah saved was named Ruffin. And it was a seeing eye dog clinic. And I thought, I bet the kid that she brought the dog back to was blind, but I don't think so. I think I was just hoping for some <laughs> more movie magic. And they go to the war memorial, but her husband's name isn't on it. And I was like, no freaking way. I was like, this is so strange. But then I said, is Tom Skerritt her husband? Like, no, he's not. He, they, I don't think, I didn't think so at that point. And then I said, maybe he didn't die after all, because if his name wasn't on that memorial. And then we go to George's house and Joan, his mother, was just awful to him because she was like, where were you? And he was like, out? And she's like, doing what? And he's just like caroling, singing. And the dad's like, he was just singing. And she treats him like a criminal. I'm like, geez. Oh yeah, it's Mrs. Jones. That's their last name is Jones. Harve Jones. Joan Jones. <laughs> That's not her real name. I just don't know it. And so she goes down to the police station. Joan does. And it's just the absolute worst. She is like, why aren't you doing anything? Why isn't she taken in? Like, what? What is? She, what has she done wrong? She has not committed one crime. It's so stupid to me. And Sarah does step in. And I, I do recognize that Sarah does still think that Hannah is a fraud. I just, 
I don't know. It was weird. And then, and then Jake and Sarah have this moment and I'm like, I just don't get their dynamic. Will they, won't they is like, just say something, Sarah, just tell him you like him. Hannah, we move back to the house. Hannah says she needs to stop wishing for things to stop wishing things were different. And it makes me question if she, like, if she did try to assimilate, like, if she couldn't go back in time, how would that work? Like, she doesn't have a social security number. She doesn't have a place of address. I don't know. It's, <laughs> that's just me thinking out of the box like I usually do. Jake decides to try to convince Mrs. Jones about Hannah actually being from the past. So they go to the library because that used to be the hospital that Hannah worked at. And they find a door behind a shelf and they go down it because they want to decorate the gazebo like they did in the past and hannah has the key to get into the basement just surprisingly because she forgot to put it away and in comes mr cook and he recognizes hannah and then ding 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 light bulb oh my god mr cook is toby the little boy i was certain of it like i knew at that point and i was right and he had saved hannah's camera from all those years, 71 years he saved the camera. And we find out that Toby was adopted by the family that had Ruff and the dog because, because Hannah had said to her pal, Dottie or Julia, I can't remember, that she wanted him to at least have a place to stay for Christmas. And so he was actually adopted by the family. And Hannah learns that Dottie was still alive. And so she goes to see her. And it was just a beautiful moment, but so sad because you think if I could be, at that point, I'm sure she's like, well, she said she was born in 1912. And it was 1945. I gotta do some quick maths for you. So, 1945 minus 1912. So she was 33 at this point. And to, that's like the age I'm going to be in August. To go and look at my friends 70 years later. That means that woman was like 100 years old. That's... 104. That's wild. But it was beautiful. And Daddy had to try to remind her of the comet. And Toby was like, I, I think this is what this is, is we have to get you back to where you were. We have to go and watch the comet. We have to do all the things. And then you know, we can get you back. And 
Dottie had made a comment in the beginning, and even the smallest stone makes a ripple in the water. And that really set Hannah to be like, yeah, we have to do this. And we get to the shed the day of the comet, and Gwenny, the little girl, is so reassuring and kind to Hannah. And I just, I'm like, oh my gosh, what if she would be stuck there forever? That would just be the worst. How would you, how would you learn all that technology in, (laughs) I don't know. She'd figure it out, maybe. And then Hannah can see that Jake and Sarah are meant to be a pair. And I, and I really liked that it was like, not everybody trying to be like, ooh, Hannah has to fall in love with Jake. It was like, he's actually just trying to be a helpful human being. And I loved that. But can Jake and Sarah still be partners in the force? Uh, I would think that the police have a no fraternization policy. I don't know. (laughs) So they have Hannah in the shed and she goes and she's just wishing and hoping as hard as she can. And the comet comes and the next day they go and they go to open the door and Hannah isn't in the shed and Toby has printed off or somehow gotten the pictures made from the film from Hannah's camera. And this was the coolest part. Like this was such a big turn. I had no idea. Jake's grandparents were Julie, Hannah's friend and Frank, the man in the hospital that had just gotten engaged. I was like, no freaking way. That is amazing. So Hannah gets back to her time in 1945. And she's trying to dig out her car. And her husband Chet comes around the corner. Oh, it's so cute. I love, I love a happy ending. So there's my biggest mystery for the week, which was not even a mystery. It was just a beautiful Christmas story. And if you want to you should really check it out and if you want to keep up with us be sure to check us out on instagram that's what the hall zero one and if you have any movie suggestions feel free to comment on any of our pictures we'd love to watch some movies if we've got them recorded we can watch them i'm I'm happy to do it. So stick around for next week where we've got more Christmas in July, which we're loving. No, we haven't decorated our houses. I'm surprised that Cassie hasn't, but you know, a girl can dream. (laughs) And uh, thanks for sticking around. Have a great day. Thanks. Bye.